Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan. This week we discuss moose and squirrel. Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a Marvel podcast where we try to figure out just who and what is going on in this cinematic universe. My name is Tyler Borland and with me always is Danny Vincent. Yeah, that's me. I'm Danny V. And I'm here to tell you that we have a movie to talk about. A new movie. It's Black Widow. It finally came. It finally came. The big one. Toy Story reference. It came. We saw Black Widow in the theater. Yep. And you know what happens when you go to the movie theater? You get movie theater popcorn and movie theater soda. And movie theater trailers. So to start off, we're going to talk about... The rapid fire trailers we got. Now, the first trailer, the only trailer I got that Tyler didn't, I got old. Now, what is old for me must be new to Tyler because he hasn't watched this trailer. It, I, I, I'll go see it because I like the actors, but it's probably going to be bad. It's M. Night. Sorry. All right. Next up, the next trailer we got was Reminiscence. I think this will be good to watch in TNT in two years. I don't think it, it looks whatever. I have no idea what it's about. Um... It's got heavy levels of speaking about global warming. I hope that it keeps that like when the movie actually comes out and it's not just a backdrop. Um, We need more of that. We need more of that talk. All right. The Kingsman. What do you think about the Kingsman? Then I'll tell you about what I think about the Kingsman. Um, I'll see it. I've never seen the other ones, so I'm not sure if I need to see this first. Is it a prequel or a sequel? The the trailer didn't really give me that information. It's a prequel. I will tell you this about it being a prequel also is that I got a really weird trailer for it where it was like 90% footage from Kingsman 1 and 2 and the cast being like, we are so proud to take the Kingsman mythos to a new level. But the trailer was not good on my front. I don't know if we had different trailers because I had a lot of cast interviews in mind. It was weird. I wasn't a fan of the trailer. Uh, I will also see it, but I see everything. If I say I'm going to see a movie, it really doesn't say much. Next up, the protege. <laughs> um, cool. <laughs> Sam Jackson without Tarantino. Didn't we already get Maggie Q in a similar role? I'm not sure what the last movie I saw of Maggie Q was, so I'll be totally honest. Oh, this it was that like Die I'm... Hard movie. It okay. Was... <laughs> She's also in a Mission Impossible movie. Mm. Um, that's what I really know her from. But also, it's like, you know how I said Reminiscence looks like a TNT movie? This looks like a movie that has already been airing on TNT for five years. So, 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 Snake Eyes! Am I actually considering seeing this? Also, trailer plays out very much like the Shang-Chi trailer. Like, the sound, the sound design. Yeah. But, I also think Snake Eyes looks good. It's weird. Maybe it's because I like Henry Golding, though. I'm gonna give it a Zach. Yeah. I think it's because I like the actor. Yeah. For me, at least. I think that's why I'm into it. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. The trailer is definitely meant for the movies. I first saw this trailer on a monitor, on a computer monitor, and I was like, eh, okay, it's it's a thing. No, this trailer is definitely meant to be seen in the movies, and I'm a lot more excited for this movie. Yeah, I'll see it. My thought on it is, well, of course you'll see it. We have a podcast, so we have to see it. <laughs> My thought on it is, we already did a Roth bonus episode on this. You don't need my thoughts. Jungle Cruise. <laughs> uh, it's Journey to the Center of the Amazon. 
Yeah, I, I won't see this. I won't see this. I'm sorry. I like The Rock. I like Emily Blunt. I'm insulted that this is getting a theatrical release when Luke and Soul didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. And now, <laughs> now we can talk about the movie. All right. So we're going to... Uh, this is actually why it the first movie uh, release movie. that we will... Yeah. New movie, uh, MCU movie release that we will be talking about so let's uh lay down how the like how the layout is we'll first give our general thoughts which are non-spoiler well, first first we'll give the trailer discussions and then yeah trailer discussions <laughs> and then we'll do uh general thoughts on the movie um and that they will be non-spoilers um and then we will give a the classic spoiler alert followed by spoiler full like a just a full review full of spoilers for everyone that loves spoilers or has already seen the movie. So, yeah, yeah let's get started. Movies without spoilers is not spoiling. Uh, uh, so anyway, so my, Tyler, what's your my, thoughts on this? my general <laughs> thoughts? It's got good parts. However, it rests on the laurels of the MCU rather than taking its own risks. Um, the movie could take all the risks it wanted with the new characters that it introduces, but it doesn't do that. Um, I'm excited for future things that were rather elaborated on that have already been introduced to the MCU. Um, but this movie should have come out several years ago. Yeah, my thoughts on it is it is too little too late. This is the very first MCU movie where I don't think you should watch it in release order. Because, you know, people always talk about, like, oh, I want to try watching the Marvel movies in chronological order. I'm always like, eh, I really sort of fine by me. This is the first one where I'm like, no, it should be in chronological order. At least this one. There's nothing about this film besides its post-credit scene relates to the current MCU. And the biggest disappointment of the movie, ultimately, is that it took 11 years for us to get a Black Widow movie. The movie itself is fine, but the wait for it... In, I'm not talking about the COVID wait. I'm talking about the this came out in 2020. This would be the same issue. Um, without COVID, this would be an issue regardless. Well, Black Black Widow um, was in, the first movie she was in came out in 2010? 10. 10. So yeah. that's why I'm saying, I guess, I guess yeah. my issue would be we waited 10 years for it instead of 11. But my point is, yeah. the, the extra year is not the issue here. The issue exactly. is that it's post-endgame. Um, and it being post-endgame overshadows the rest of the movie. It has a good ensemble and decent action, but ultimately I gave it a 3 out of 5. All right. So I don't know if you from, have a grade for it. Um, Did you have a grade my for grade, it? my grade, yeah, I'd give it a three out of five. It was, it was kind of middle of the road, but it wasn't as bad as like a Transformers movie. <laughs> okay, so all right, <laughs> okay, or buddy games. That but, that that is what we call damning with faint praise. But okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's still better than the Incredible Hulk and Captain Marvel. Okay. I liked it better than Captain Captain Marvel, but I mean, I did too. Um, but I do want to clarify, we're not comparing it to Captain Marvel because they're the only two women movies. It's just because it's a Marvel movie. It's be, well, I was comparing the two because they both are retroactive movies in that they, yes, they go back. Prequels. Yeah, they're prequels rather than continuations. Yeah. So, yeah, that's spoiler funny. alert. From this point on, we will discuss the most recent MCU release, Black Widow. And possible spoilers for future productions. We do not claim to have knowledge of said future spoilers, but we'll gladly take full credit if such come true. Also, we will talk about the entire movie. That's a big spoiler. So, yeah, 
Yeah, but yeah, we won't address any leaks. Uh, I guess besides the one we've already reported on this podcast about Florence Pugh being in the Hawkeye show. Oops. But also not really because we have it in our news section. Um, but if other speculations align, it's purely coincidence. I like how you gave a Well, it, it's news we've reported the, before. Yeah, so it is. Okay. It is. I know. It's giving you a hard time. All right. So <laughs> digging in, uh, let's start off our talk with Natasha Romanov. Um, I Natasha thought she, Romanov? <laughs> I thought she She's gave, Russian, not Roman. I thought Sorry. she gave a good <laughs> performance. Stayed true to the character, which I think is it's tough to do that if you're away from a character for a while. I don't know. See, the thing is, I don't know really how. I don't think she how, was. Yeah, I that's what I was like going right to say. I don't know how long she was away from the character that much. But also to play a character retroactively rather than a continuation of the character. You know, I mean. Try to play your character after in-game, Natasha. No. <laughs> anyways. Um, hey, maybe there's a variant out there. We don't know. Right. So, yeah. But anyways, I thought she stayed true to the character. I liked the vest storyline between her see and Florence my Pugh. Vest, see my vest. <laughs> I wonder story. if Yelena was snapped by Thanos and if Natasha looked for her during the five-year blip. Um, if so, Thanos would have taken away one of her two families, especially like and especially right after she just um got the one of them got the one of them back um and it it this movie does strengthen natasha's storyline like i said earlier it's it's a little late you know but yeah the issue is with me is okay first off i think the movie implies yes that yelena was snapped by thanos and the whole family and that's why she's sad however if i'm marvel I'm not going to answer that explicitly because if ScarJo ever goes, yeah, I want to do another Black Widow movie, just set it in those five years. Um, they're going to want to use her supporting cast. And ScarJo has said, I don't want I feel done with it for now, but I'm not going to completely say I'm done with it. Ergo, I'm going to say that we're never, we're probably not going to get a straight answer on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though it's implied. Um, I do agree with you that I think it fills in a nice arc from Black Widow for Black Widow. From Black Widow to Endgame. However, wouldn't this have been better? I, I think I say this late, I think I have this on our notes later on. That if this came out in March 2017, right? Mm-hmm. And this had been... So, so that would be after Doctor Strange, before Guardians 2. In the release schedule. And then we would know all these characters. Yelena could have had a role in Infinity War. A minor role in Infinity War, along with Harbor, David Harbour and Rachel Weisz, if they wanted to put them all in. You know what I mean? Yeah. They've had a nice role there for her. Have them be snapped. And then we actually have Natasha's... We'd actually have, like... I don't want to say an arc for Natasha, but we'd know what she lost more than. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I hate to keep beating that drum, but... Great! Cool that Natasha finally got to lead a story and finally got her own supporting cast. Too bad this is all we get of it. And that's so weird to me that, you know, the whole point of these movies, these solo movies, are supposed to be that they can launch sub-franchises. In a way, I think that it would have been better, a hot take, if, um, not that, actually, no, I'm not going to say it, because I want to be like, 
this should have come out before Captain Marvel did. This was should have been a higher priority to be the first female Marvel movie than Captain Marvel was. Because as much as I like, I like Captain Marvel as a character more than you do, or at least in theory. I, I don't think the movie executes it well, but I think in theory Captain Marvel can be a really cool character. Um, I think she's good in Endgame, um, for the most part. Um, I just think that this film should have been the top priority. Yeah, yeah, and me I too. I think that you could have easily... Again, also, I'm not even saying an even-or thing. You could have fit this in very easily among the Guardians to put it out in March of that year and have Guardians 2 come out in May. And then... Because Spider-Man was a... Homecoming was a Sony production. Yeah. And we know Marvel can do three in a year with themselves. They don't even need mm-hmm. Sony itself. Well, so, imagine this coming out, like... This movie coming out right around the same time as like or like same year as black panther you know like yeah i'm well i'm where i'm putting right it after civil war right or where after are you civil war yeah yeah right yeah. after civil it's right after it's the year after civil war and the year before infinity war because i'm thinking also scarlett johansson shooting schedule right yeah that's like, true to be able to have time to shoot all these movies well, cause, also because infinity to, war and Endgame game were shot concurrently Yes. Yeah. So. so we need to have time for her to shoot, you know, this as well. But I will also say, last thing, is that honestly, this Black Widow movie should be the second Black Widow movie we get. We should have had a movie about her and Hawkeye in, say, 2013. After Avengers. Mm. Or, like, yeah, where we get that nice origin story that we were promised multiple times with the two of them. Right. And then there could have been a black, a black, a Black Widow, and Hawkeye movie, and I could have just titled the Black Widow and Hawkeye. Have us give that story that we see a bit of in this, and have that be a full movie in and of itself, a prequel movie, and then we could have the Black Widow movie that's all her after that, which would have been this, and yeah. Anyway, yeah. But again, all this is stuff that we'll never get because we can't. We don't have time stones here. Yeah. 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 Yeah, during the movie, I thought we could possibly get a Black Widow trilogy with Taskmaster as the main villain throughout the trilogy, um, which would have been a really good way to build Yelena's character um, and also Natasha's character um, instead of forcing all of that narrative into Endgame, um, even though I think Endgame pulls it off really well, um, handles Black Black Widow fairly well. Um, I think the issue with it is that at the time I I thought it was all right, okay, but now it's like, wow, we have all this cool character dynamics for her. Yeah, we made a great supporting cast for her. And now you can't use them again because you killed them off. And as much as I'm interested in the Hawkeye show, it's kind of like, all right, but if you killed Hawkeye, like, it's just I don't know, it's just annoying. It, it really is, honestly, to me. And I get that Scar Joe probably also wanted to be like, yeah, I'm done with this point in my life. I can move on. Yeah, but. I also think that her being the lead of the movie and producing this, she executive produced this, like Tom Hiddleston's been executive producing Loki. I don't know. I think it would have been exciting. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I was... I was okay with Taskmaster not necessarily... Like, they're not being a big showdown between Black Widow and Taskmaster in this, um, in this one. Um, you know, I thought, okay, she takes care of Drakov. That's the actually the main villain of this one. And then we go to Black Widow 2, whatever that would be. 
and it, and then I don't know. I don't know who would be the villain there. Um, and Hawkeye. then Hawkeye. Hawkeye be the villain. Um, and Hawkeye's then <laughs> and he's bad now. He, he is he's a bad guy. Yeah. And he's then bad. and then in the third the the third movie of the of the Black Widow trilogy um, is when she has to fight fight Taskmaster and. Yeah, we get that. Maybe we get the we get the reveal of Taskmaster's identity, uh, which we'll talk about later on. But we get that reveal like at the end of the second film, and that's what carries us on to the third the third one. Um, a Black Widow a Black Widow trilogy. I don't necessarily know if that's what I want now. I I will say like while I was watching the film, I was like, yeah, I'd be cool. I'd be cool with that. Sure. Um, but also, if they were going to do that, they would have needed to set this film in 2016 and then 2017, the third film, and then beginning of 2018, uh, third film. Can I, pitch, anyways. can I pitch a great thing that would have happened if this movie came out when we wanted to? What's up? Imagine if you would at Endgame. They're all at Tony Stark's funeral, including, for some reason, Red Guardian, uh, Rachel Weisz's character, I can't remember the name of, and uh, Yelena. And it's Melina. Melina is Melina. Okay, yeah. Melina. So they're all at Tony Stark's funeral, which is weird because you know we never got to see Natasha's funeral. Uh, just saying, um, they're all there, and then afterwards we get to see the Red Guardian walk up to Captain America and go, "Do you remember me?" <laughs> 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 it is great to meet you again, and. Chris uh, Evans would just be like, what? I'm the man, I'm not a toy. <laughs> um uh so Oh, I loved his toy. I like the Red Guardian toy. I, I, I did toy. too. I did too. <laughs> um so so yeah, it we could have also got like maybe uh the Thunderbolt Ross gets the Thunderbolts together, like an early version of the Thunderbolts to uh, go after mm-hmm. Natasha, and then that's what it she uses like, all the black. She, you know, like teams back up with all the uh, Black Widows. But we'll say it looks like Julia Louis Dreyfus is assembling the Thunderbolts now. Yeah, they'll be the. Sorry, William Hurt. Yeah, You're not going to be in the Thunderbolts, even though it's your character's name. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, General Thaddeus Thunderbolt. William Hurt is General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. Well, speaking <laughs> of General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. What are your thoughts on that character? Because he is one of the few uh, returning characters like in this. William Hurt as General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. I wanted more of him. Yeah, yeah, I wanted more of him. I thought there was going. We were going to get more. Um, you know, he's to alive. Jump to the end of it. Where's my Thunderbolt Sorry. set up? Yeah. To jump to the end of it with William Hurt is I felt like the ending was designed to be a um, mid-credit scene where you know she walks out with her blonde hair. Yeah. And the, uh, the Infinity... That felt like it should have been a mid-credits scene. But then they decided, like, you know what? Let's do an opening credits. So like, well, now we got this mid-credits scene, though. We just got to stick on the end of the movie. Mm. Just kind of like... But, yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah, now that you say it, I'm kind of like, yeah. Uh, all right. So let's talk about the director, Kate Shortland. Which we have an episode called the Uh episode. Um, the Ugh, yeah. The Ugh episode. Ugh. Yeah, there's a very distinctive reason uh, for that. Kate Shortland directs very heavy films. 
And um, that's very, 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 very obvious. Um, well, I don't want to say obvious, but it's very... You can I see it see in the opening here. sequence. You can see her style, especially in the openings, well, uh, the cr- opening I credits of it. this film. I think you can see it through a lot of the dialogue in the film. Yeah. Um, my issue is is that when it switches to the action, you can tell it's a second unit doing it. Mm. Which, if you remember, I, we mentioned that a director, I can't remember her name, but another director turned down Black Widow because they were told someone else would do the action. Huh. Um, and Kate Shortland did not. And was like, yeah, I'll do it. And... I think she did a really good job with the stuff I could tell was hers. Yeah, I thought she did too. It's just unfortunate that I felt like it didn't really <clears throat> jive with the action direction much at all. Yeah, yeah. I will say it, like... It felt like it was out of a different movie. What I've always appreciated about Kate Shortland... Um, when I say what I've always appreciated, and I've seen two films say. by her, including <laughs> Black Widow, but like in um, Ber- Berlin Syndrome, we... Like, those characters felt like humans they like you know what i'm saying a lot yeah. like sometimes you can watch a movie and the characters feel very superficial or they feel like it it's like oh i can't relate to them on any level no like her characters you can relate to them in some way or you can you can rather uh see like yes that is very that's a very human error that's a very human flaw you know um you can understand the care i don't know you can understand she understands no. characters and character yeah, and i would say in terms of marvel directors i would say her voice i would say comes out in the middle she's not she just doesn't feel like taika or ryan coogler yeah but she doesn't feel like i'm trying to think of who's like the most boring most censored Marvel director, but she she comes out in the middle. I'd say she comes out in the middle. More, she's like a Branna, you know. Yeah. You can tell Thor is directed by Kenneth Branna, but it also feels very just bland Marvel at points, which is mm-hmm. where I feel like Black Widow came out ultimately. Yeah, yeah. I will. I will so say I I very much enjoyed the scene with Black Widow sitting down with uh, Florence Pugh, David Harbour, and Rachel Weisz with those characters, because that actually felt like a conversation that I could sit down at that table, at that table and actually see that being a real conversation, like the bickering and the, you know, yeah. And the dead pig and uh, no, um, (laughs) and the Um, the dead pig. No. Yeah. I mean, uh, like all, all the superhero stuff aside, you know, it still had the elements of it yeah i read a good point on twitter that argued that there is a better movie to be made here about the themes that this film presents because this film is i think this film is really two things separately there is all the stuff of the red room which is all plot based and stuff yeah and there's all the stuff about how natasha thought she had a family and pushed them away but then they become a makeshift family again anyway because they grew fond of each other and they weren't supposed to um I think the uh, the second movie is more interesting than the first one uh, of those two. Mm-hmm. I read a good point on Twitter where it's like, you know, if they weren't married to this idea where it's like, oh, we have to solve Natasha's past at the Red Room finally. There was a really good movie here that would have been like across the U.S. road trip while they're evading the authorities at the U.S. about these guys searching for something they left behind. Mm. They have to work together again. And I'm like, yeah, that does sound like a movie I would have enjoyed more. Yeah. Um, while being chased by William Hurt. Character. Yeah, William Hurt. William Hurt can have Taskmaster working for him, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. You don't have to have this. Because the thing is with Drakov is, I get why. I get the themes of Drakov make sense. Because the theme of the the theme of the movie ultimately comes down to women, right? And I don't I don't want to just be like women, but there's very clearly a theme here about men controlling women. Oppression, yeah. And making them do what they want to do. Yes, exactly. And there being a system that people are complicit in and afraid to fight back against. Mm-hmm. That is very clearly the theme of the film. I argue, though, that I think the other theme is more emotionally resonant, even if the one about being complicit in a system is more topical. And this comes down to the fact that there are two good Black Widow movies here, and Black Widow could have easily had two or three good movies before she died in Endgame. So that's ultimately where all these problems stem back to, that this movie is trying to do a ton to make up for the fact that nothing was done earlier. Yeah. So that's where I land on it. Yeah, gotcha. And I know it's kind of like a weird thing for me to be like, it's like, I think this movie shouldn't be about the men oppressing women, but it's something where I think the other one is a little more interesting, but I do appreciate that they tried to do both. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, well, they could have very well given us both just in separate movies. Which would have both yeah. both would have which would have done both subjects more justice than like honestly I hate to be like this honestly you could have done your first movie the way I just described it right mm-hmm. the cross country road trip that I saw on Twitter and then the second movie even after Natasha's dead can be about Yelena doing all that you know what I mean it wasn't Natasha's necessarily unfinished business it was just the unfinished business of the red room overall yeah so but yeah. Yeah. So let's, because we've brought them up, so let's talk about the new characters. Um, With this section, I want to talk about the new characters and, like, if did they work? Did the new character, you know, did they work in the film? Did they not work? Um, how, do, how do they necessarily fit if they fit into the MCU? So uh, first up, let's talk about uh, Florence Pugh. Um, Yelena. Yeah, Yelena. Uh, I thought this film did something the Captain Marvel film failed to do, which is introduce a new character and make me care for that character. Counterpoint, counterpoint, Captain Marvel made me care about Talos very well. But I'm talking about a a main character. (laughs) (laughs) Talos. I cared about Talos. I, David Harbour would be the Talos in that movie, though. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I was making a joke. (laughs) Yeah. what, what do you think? Uh, well, okay. I think she was good. And she served her purpose to get us to attach to her. Because we need a new Black Widow. And Natasha did. Um, I do think it does a good job making care for the character. I think a part of that's the writing. But I think also part of it is Florence Pugh. Yeah. Florence Pugh is such a talented actress. Um, I don't know if you've seen her in anything else. I don't. You didn't see Little I, Women, right? I haven't. I've not seen her in anything else. No. Little Women and Midsummer are her big movies. I don't like Midsummer though. She also was in the WWE biopic a couple of years back where The Rock plays himself in it. Oh. Um, and she plays Paige, who's a WWE star. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she's a good actress, and it's. I'm glad she now has a ongoing paycheck at Marvel. I hope it doesn't kill her career like it did Elizabeth Olsen's. And the reason I say that is because Elizabeth Ol- I you probably not aware of this. Elizabeth Olsen was a big indie darling until she did Age of Ultron, and then she kept having to do all this Marvel stuff and didn't have time to do her indie stuff anymore. Now, Scarlett Johansson obviously is able to figure, 
eventually figured out how to schedule it out because you know she was in marriage story and in um what's it uh jojo rabbit yeah she was in and then she also did some some other action film yeah yeah she did lucy she did under the skin which is an indie movie so florence Pugh can figure out that work schedule please uh don't become elizabeth volson because i've been enjoying your non-marvel work also, with the jokes with Florence Pugh, I think the three-point landing joke was really good, really funny. Yes. And it got good payoff. However, where she's like, this is a good death. This is a bad death. I, I didn't laugh at any of those. And I was like, all right, calm, calm down now. I, I don't even remember. You don't need to have all these quips. I don't even it's remember. It's like she's like, that, you know, falling from, yeah, falling from playing would be a good death. And it's like, they're about to cut off her, her brain. She's like, this would be a bad death. And then when she was like blowing up the helicopter, she's like, this is a good one. Oh, and it was like this isn't funny. It's it. It's also not like clever. It's just like all right, I get it. You know, it's, yeah. I did. I, it's more on the writing than on the character. Or the, well, I mean, the character is due to the writing, but you know what I mean. It was a dumb joke. Yeah, um, but that's that's my fun on fourth pure. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Moving on to David Harbor. What about David Harbor? Party. Yeah. Uh. Thought he was notes very funny, ha <laughs> ha. Uh, but I did like him a lot, and well, I have this as a joke. Uh, the scene where he recreated that commercial for The Incredibles, where Mister Incredible tried to put on the belt, uh, that was funny. But I also just think in general, he was constantly the funniest part of the movie, and he also had a bit of a bit of heart. He was like an idiot with a heart of gold, even though he was also like okay. Have to clarify that I can't leave it at that. He was a complicit idiot of a heart of gold who was also like, I raised two girls to be assassins. He was clearly a psychopath too, which is also why he was funny. But he was also like, it's interesting because I think his character is set up to be like a bad person. He is morally speaking the worst of the main four people in the cast who are presented to us as heroes. Yeah. However, I think, well, I guess also, I guess it's kind of a psychoanalysis of myself. And I think it's also maybe the point because I know Kate Trollin is interested in this, is that he he's a man. He is the only man of the four main people. And I'm going to tie this in with Rachel Weiss's character right now, is that... And Sorry, Ty, I'll let you talk about David Harbour, but I want to make this point. Is um, Rachel Weiss's character, someone was talking to me and was saying, she should have got to come up, it's because she was the villain. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, Rachel Weiss helped the Red Room for years, and now she helps... Black Natasha and expect everything to be forgiven. I'm like, I mean, she leads them to the, the compound and then is personally is the one who tries to release the people from the red room. Yeah. But, you know, media literacy, not really great. Um, But also, the fact is that David Harbour did stuff that was way worse implied. But he's a funny man, so we forgive him. And I think that's part of the point. I think Kate Shortland very purposely is like, I want this as part of the film. Yeah. Where... I want people to look at that and be like, we don't forgive Rachel Weisz, but we do forgive David Harper for being funny, and that is part of the gender biases. Mm-hmm. So I think that's intentional. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. anyway, I know I know we had said back in our in our Kate Shortland episode um, that we had talked about. We were confused as to why, after watching Berlin Syndrome, uh, why Kevin Feige, you know, uh, had tagged. Kate Shortland to direct Black Widow. And I, mean, I after still don't watch- think he watched Berlin Syndrome. Yeah. I still really don't think Kevin Feige saw that but, movie. Uh, I, I don't believe it. <laughs> I mean, but go I'm going to give credit where 
You give credit, some credit. Okay. should hopefully be due. And like now, I, at, after seeing the movie, I understand it's complicated characters, and uh, Kate Shortland handled them very well. The reason I don't want to give Kevin too much credit, and I mean Feige, not Lau. Um, <laughs> I say that every time. The reason I won't give Kevin too much credit is because we know Scar Joe is the one who called up Shortland and begged for her to yeah. be on it. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, Scarlett Johansson, yeah, sure, I could definitely, even though she said it was lore was the reason. But I also think Berlin Syndrome, I, I assume Scarlett Johansson being an executive producer on this movie that's been a passion project for her for quite some time to get Black Widow her own movie, I have to assume she saw it. And yeah, I agree. I think Shortland, good choice. And I think Harbour's character is a good reason why. Yeah. But anyway, do you want to talk about Harbour more? Yeah. Um. Uh, just just a little bit. I liked I liked the moment with uh, him putting on the suit. Um, it reminded me uh, what I talked. You know, I talked about earlier about Excuse like Sh- uh, Shortland does something really well with characters and making us like relate to them in some way, um, even though we don't yeah. want to. You know, the David Harbor. It's like yeah, he's funny, but he's also like he's not very accountable. And I don't know what he's going to do next, you know, so. uh, Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it still makes us like I connected with it because if I tried to put on on jeans that I wore back in, well, just even my first year of college, (laughs) that ain't going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, well, no, actually, a few weeks ago, I had to go to a uh, wedding reception and I, I had my pants, I had my dress pants I had bought at college for the Archies. And uh, let me tell you, I had to get on that bed, lean back, suck it all in, and then put the belts on. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it's, it's something that, uh, it, that was a point that I related to, you know. You know, I think I even related to him being like in the jail and people making fun of him. Yeah. Because I did feel a little bad for him that he was a cool, like, I like. Yeah, he was a Russian spy, but like in Russia, yeah, you're the cool Russian spy, right? Like, and he he deserved a little more respect, like among the criminals type of thing. Yeah. And I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, let's go on to. Uh, wait, wait, wait! Oh. We didn't do my harbor game. Yeah. Come on. Your harp. What do you? Yeah, you you told me. Okay, you have in the notes that you've never seen a David Harbour movie. Oh yeah, I think this so may I, have been the first Harbour film I've uh, ever seen. No, so I was. Impressed. I will say that David Harbour, David Harbour, broke out in 2016 when he was in Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Before then, he'd been a character actor in so much stuff. So I'm gonna read you through the movies I've seen of his. Okay, and, and I'll tell me if you've seen any of them. Then, I, and then I'm gonna read you the top five most watched movies on Letterboxd that I haven't seen of his, and you're gonna tell me if you've seen any of them. Okay, okay. So, Suicide Squad. Yeah. He's in it. He's in it. Wow. He plays He plays a random cop. I've seen that movie the once. The Equalizer. And I've not seen that. Okay. What were you going to say about Suicide Squad? Oh, I've Sorry. seen it once and I was just like, this is trash. I give up on you. <laughs> DC. The Hellboy remake. DCEU. Um, No, I've not seen that. Black Mass. The Johnny Depp movie where he plays the gangster. No. The Green Hornet. Seth Rogen. Once. He's in it. I don't know who he plays in that. Yeah, I don't know either. And State of Play. Nope. Those are the ones I've seen. Now, the top five I haven't seen are Brokeback Mountain. Nope. Quantum of Solace. Nope. Oh, wait. Yeah, I've seen Quantum of Solace. 
Let's see. Who is he, he plays the, is he the guy that uh, that James Bond kills at the very beginning of the movie? I have absolutely no idea. I haven't seen Quantum of Solace. It's like a, there's we'll like see a, he's actually built pretty high. Black and white. I will look sequence. up Quantum. Or is, is he the bad? He's not the bad guy. He's not the. He's actually built high. I'm loading up the Quantum of Solace. He plays some character named Greg. So I will see who Greg's character is in the plot. Hold on, sorry. He is oh, he's um Jeffrey Wright's partner in the CIA. Felix, you remember how Felix Leiter is in the first two Bond movies? Jeffrey Wright. You know who Jeffrey Wright is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, he's I'm not remembering he's, this guy. I'm okay. looking at the picture. He's in War of the Worlds, the Spielberg War of the Worlds. He was in Extraction, Chris Hemsworth's uh, Netflix movie last year. I've seen that, but... Uh, he was probably actually a bigger role in that, because that was after his career blew up. Yeah. Um, I wasn't big on Extraction. He's not top build, though, so maybe he's a cameo. He's a, he plays a character named Gasper. Who looks to be the only white person in the cast besides Chris Hemsworth? So, there you go. Um, and then he is in Revolutionary Road, which I'm sure you haven't seen. But then, have you seen End of Watch, the Jake Gyllenhaal cop movie? Nope. That'll be the last one I ask you about. Okay. Well, but my point is, he's in a lot of stuff. Gotcha. Uh, because yeah. his career, his career blew up late, like mm-hmm. very late. Like, I don't know how old he is, but like when Stranger Things came out, he'd been in movies for. Quite some time, always in a weird supporting role. So it's always nice to see someone whose career breaks out late. Yeah, you know, and he's he's a guy who's been working for a while, so it's cool. Anyway, Rachel Vice, I just have that she's okay. I kind of talked about her already. Yeah, I at least. Yeah, you know? um, yeah, she's 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 there. Um, I like her in other movies, but I was, I don't know, she. She played her part convincingly. I I will say that. Like, but yeah, it's just kind of a whatever. Yeah, scene, you know? but it's I a, think it was more on writing that um, just it, I don't know treated the character like uh the character was a throwaway character. But um, yeah. So, Next up is Taskmaster, which spoiler alert is played by the Bond girl in Quantum of Solace. Bum bum bum. Kind of. Quantum of Solace. Tackling us again. I just said Condom of Solace. <laughs> <laughs> where where where's the time? We can leave that stamp? one. No, we can, okay. Oh, I was gonna say we can leave that one. Okay. The condom right. isn't as weird. <laughs> <laughs> the condom of solace. Well then. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so Taskmaster, um the reveal didn't upset me. Um from what I understand though, the film did miss out on a badass villain. Kind of like Ultron. I don't know. I'm not really sure how I feel about this air quote villain. Uh, also like Ultron, something else falling out of the sky. Well, <laughs> but well, OK, first, I don't mind the OK. I didn't mind the thing falling the out of the sky. The stuff falling from the sky is just like these Marvel movies blow up so much stuff. Yeah. Someone's collateral damage. No, that's not my issue. My issue is like, you know, a Black Widow movie could very well be a low-scale spy movie. And yet, this ends with a giant sky prison falling from the sky. Okay, whatever. I can't be mad about it. It's just like, all right. I know what I'm getting out of these movies by now, you know? Well, my issue with Taskmaster... Sorry. Imagine imagine this. If 
yeah, that's the the uh, climax of this film is what we get in the third film um, of my proposed Black Widow trilogy. And she all of a sudden finds out that uh, maybe she kills Taskmaster in the sequel in in the second movie. And she finds out Dracov's still alive and has been behind it all this time all this time and he's up in this castle but she has to go through Drake this whole like all she has to go through all this espionage you know like a spy movie to find this it you know it would have i don't know it would have felt like much much I get more what you're saying. an escalation well of stakes would be better than yeah it just being all in one movie than just being one um, movie now my issue with taskmaster comes more that i think the action in this movie it's better than loki but it's at best Falcon and Winter Soldier level, which if you remember, I wasn't too impressed with the action of Falcon and Winter Soldier either. This was not the Civil War follow-up I was hoping for, personally, mm-hmm. action-wise. Um, Civil War, Winter Soldier, I mean. Winter Soldier, um, oh, okay. Speaking of Winter, because speak, yeah, Civil War is whatever. I mean Winter Soldier, because I, you know, I keep saying I want an action movie on the level of Winter Soldier from Marvel, and I don't know if we're ever going to get it again. Hopefully Shang-Chi. I could see Shang-Chi yeah. having really good like hand-to-hand yeah. combat. Yeah. Um, but... I also think it's a little derivative of Winter Soldier, the twist. Um, you know, it's a brainwashed person that's being ran by this guy. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. I get thematically it's very different, but yeah. But I also think that leads us well into our next person to talk about. me saying it's derivative of that because you have something listed for Dracov. Yeah, it's Dracov. He's a very Hydra-like villain. I've got sleeper cells all across the world and I can activate them at any moment. That was the plot of Winter Soldier. But yeah, that's what it just felt very derivative. Yeah. Marvel movie we already saw with Scarlett Johansson in it. So, but yeah. Um, he actually reminded me of uh, in, uh, Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that was intentional because I've heard. Scarlett Johansson's interview is that we were very inspired by the Me Too movement for write, in writing and making this movie. And I think it's interesting because I don't think I've seen a Marvel villain where it outright reminds me of a public figure with the exception, possibly, of the Mandarin twist in Iron Man 3. Where it's not the villain that reminds me of anyone, it's the twist. Um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. I thought it was... Well, I I actually Dracov. I see a lot of people being like, "This movie has a bad has a Marvel villain." Problem. I think Dracov's a fine villain. He works very well for what yeah. this movie is. Yeah. The only issue it is is that the movie forgets about the villains for an hour in the middle of it. That was really where I was at. Is like it forgets about the villains from like the from whenever Taskmaster attacks. Well, no, from whenever they run out of Taskmaster. It's yeah, the IRS's bot that's like, you need to pay your taxes. <laughs> Tax. <laughs> taxes. Anyway. But yeah. Yeah. And our last character is Weird Tech Guy, who was never mentioned before, but is apparently Natasha's best friend. Yeah, I was kind of like, because, okay, so the movie treated it like we were supposed to know this guy. And we very clearly did not know this guy. And I was like, who are you? What? What? I would say he is the most like besides Dracov, because Dracov died. But he is the most likely character of this movie never to return in an urban project. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm very confused on why he was even here. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it also, it's like Natasha never even like cooked him up with like Yelena or anyone else. He only, she only, you know. Well, I thought maybe he'll, he'll like, he'll be that guy that it's like, oh, I know a guy. And then they call him and he helps in the finale. I mean, they kind of did that because they were like, hey, I know a guy. And they took his plane or whatever or helicopter. I don't know. Don't rem- I don't remember. Sorry. Sorry. Weird tech guy who's never I been mentioned like before, but it's apparently Natasha's solely best friend. to be a red hair. <laughs> OK, <laughs> he felt like he existed solely to be like a red herring for Taskmaster. Mm-hmm. However, it's incredibly obvious, like immediately that that would make absolutely no sense. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just kind of like, all right. Um, but yeah. Yeah. But let's talk about let's talk about some other stuff. Let's talk about what we always talk about these movies. The cold open. Now, this movie did not have a Marvel cold open. However, it does have opening credits. So it does have a television cold open. Perfect for Disney Plus. Preview access. <laughs> it's got a uh, uh, it's got a Kate Shortland open. That's it has a long it has a long cold it's open. It's a very long movie. yeah. Uh, which is probably why the it's a po- uh, probably why you know there isn't the credits. It's it's not a logo cold open because it's so long. That's yeah. why it's not a it's too long to be a logo cold open. It's uh, um it's very chilling. Um, the song choice. Do you know what song that was? Hold up, hold up, hold up. I want to talk about the cold open before we get to the opening credits. We have the opening credits later on. Oh, sorry. Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. we're talking about the open. We're talking about the yeah, opening. Yeah, like, I'm remembering. Opening yeah. In the, yeah, yeah. Oh, we have that later yeah. The cold open, yeah, fireflies. About- yeah, I how I yeah, talked fireflies. about like Kate Shortland, like is really good at, um, you know, like showing off like human characteristics. Like, yeah, in the firefly thing, I was like, that's that's that's. And a I like that's the genuine warmth we felt between. Uh, David Harbour, and I don't want to refer to them by the Russian names, because that's not the character we're introduced to initially. They're, yeah. under, they're undercover. But David Harbour and Rachel Weisz, we immediately feel like a lot of warmth from them. They're doing a good job being parents. Mm-hmm. Which makes the betrayal at the end of the sequence really hurt. And I also really like the moment where um, David Harbour's on the wing of the plane. Yeah. I think that was really cool. I don't know. I thought it was a good cold open, and I, I it just it felt nice. I won't talk. About, I have a bit of it later to talk about, but I'll save it for me talk about that later. Um, there's a shot and I really like, but I'll hold on to it. Yeah. Hold on to it. Yeah, I. Ooh, want to talk about the opening credits now, or do you want to wait? Oh wait, do you want to talk about the cold open? No, we can talk about the opening about. credits. Yeah. Because okay. I, I don't have many notes oh. on the cold open. Um, besides, it, I like it, the it was good. I, I think yeah. movies need opening credits. Yeah. Bring them back. Uh, um. So. Um. Opening credits. Oh, my question from oh, earlier. Oh, I thought you were going to say something because I cut you off early about the opening credits. Oh, it was just, it was just very, very, chi- it was very chilling. Um, and do you know what song that was that they used? Now, now, Tyler. You don't? That, I hope you're referring to the cover. I hope you're referring to the it's cover. It's a cover, yeah. Because if you, I'm hoping you, because if you sincerely think I don't know Smells Like Teen Spirit. Okay, okay, I, <laughs> that's... I'm sorry. It's one of the most famous songs ever, man. Yeah, so no, like, I know. What? What, do you, I know. what do you mean? Do you? Okay. Danny, this is discussion. Okay, okay, okay. This is I thought, no, talking. I thought you were being sincere. I thought you were being like, I thought you were being really like, I don't know. I, I don't know if you know the song. I was like, 
Are you, are you serious? I can't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, going to DC. Dang. One more strike. Then. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, okay. You'll cover Wonder Woman four or Shazam eight. Look, I'll cover or, the Suicide Squad. That's what's next. No, you don't get the anyway, fun. You don't get but, the fun movies. You have to wait. Anyway, Shazam and Wonder Woman are about the fun the ones. Credits. Okay. Tell me what you liked about the opening credits, um, Tyler. Okay, so the opening credits. Here's the thing. Um, I did not expect a Marvel movie, and I don't want to give it. I don't want to give the Marvel movie necessarily the credit for it. Um, but Kate Shortland's depiction of human trafficking, child child trafficking. Um, Sex trafficking is it probably one of the darkest. Things, it is one of the, the darkest, darkest things I've seen in a Marvel movie. Yes, yes, and I talked. I've talked before about how art is a platform, and Kate Shortland is very good at using art as a platform. I actually wonder if Kate Shortland did not does not have a background in theater or not. Um, I'm not sure because she's there, been making movies for a bit since like oh yeah, four. Like, there was one. there was another point um, after the helicopter drops down out of the sky and um, uh, Alexi, Yelena, and Natasha get out of the helicopter and they're walking. Alexi crosses um, screen left from Yelena and they the three are standing about equal. Um, spaces between each other and i know we're not talking about the opening credits but i'll get back to the opening credits um you're good so they're they're standing spaced like evenly away like away from each other um and it's very clear that like alexi needed to get away from yelena because one we don't need a credit shot but two because these characters haven't earned that intimacy just yet they've not earned that close proximity with each other just yet um, and we get that at the end of the movie, you know, I mean, we have uh, David Harbour and Rachel Weisz like are very close next to each other. And uh, yeah, and they they share like kind of a team like high five or whatever. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Danny, high five, high five me through uh, Discord. I'm the camera right but, now. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so it just makes me want it makes me wonder if. Kate Shortland doesn't have a background in theater, and I'm really interested in figuring that out. Um, but to, yeah, so and I think that would, if she does have a background in theater, I think that might explain why she understands, like, how, she, how good she is at, like, portraying the human character. Um, because there's something about the stage that is very, very vivid you know it's very real it's very like that's as close to real as real action as you're going to get for this story that's being that's in in truth a recreation um so so yeah that i just just went off on on that tangent but uh but yeah that's that speaks on this on these opening credits it was just very like I was I don't want to say I was scared. I was scared for the I was concerned, you know, deeply concerned for the children. And I felt sad. I felt like I'm like, 
I've never felt this at a Marvel movie. I mean, yeah, I, I, I've got tears at like, uh, I don't know if I got tears at Infinity War, but I got tears at Endgame and um, Endgame and Guardians too. And, and I was, I didn't see. I don't Gar- know how you got for Guardians. I didn't see Guardians two in theaters, and I wish I would have. I didn't see Guardians one in theaters, and I wish I would have. Um, but uh, but yeah, so uh, see so yeah, how the opening credits. It's always Guardians three. Opening credits. So- yeah, I'm definitely going for Guardians three. <laughs> um, and maybe we'll talk about that we'll on the on. podcast. I don't know, but uh, maybe. maybe maybe we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, so see so yeah, how the opening credit. I I just think it's something art as a platform that it's a topic that isn't necessarily talked about as much, isn't brought up as much. And I think that this was a good way to bring it up because it wasn't, it wasn't forcing the topic into the narrative, you know, it fit with the narrative. And I'm really glad that Kate Shortland took that time to do that with, with that. I I do want to push back on, one thing sure but now not actually i agree with pretty much everything you just said however i actually did not like the song choice mm. because i think the movie sets up a better song choice within its opening scenes which would be american pie i think those opening credits being ironically set to american pie would have been better than the slow moodiness because i think that i think juxtaposition or even honestly my issue was it was a slow moody cover of smells like teen spirit i think it's i always think it's personally I, I usually fall in the area where if you play moody imagery with moody music it's going to feel a bit overwrought yeah whereas if you put irony on it it's going to be creepier mm. so even like the original smells like teen spirit i think would have been better but i think the movie also sets up american pie to be the song in the opening credits anyway mm. so that's just where i am gotcha gotcha and then you can be it can be the slow part of American Pie. So if you want to keep it slow, yeah, it would have been really weird if uh, little uh, if little Yelena was like, put my song on, and then here's Nirvana playing "Smells Like Teen Spirit," and that's the, <laughs> that's the song that she chooses. Um, but yeah. Um, okay, so what about okay. what about the score? Uh, yeah. Um... Well, I thought we always talk about the score here. Um, it was a bland Marvel score, <laughs> as always. It felt like Mission Impossible ripoff, and sure enough, I well, I think I said this already is that Lauren Balfi did the score, and he did the score for at least Mission Impossible Fallout. I think he might have done Rogue Nation as well. He is the go-to Mission Impossible composer now, and I, I it, you know, it was whatever. I didn't even notice a theme, you know. Yeah, yeah, I was as kind of like okay. I thought it was gonna do things. And I was like, ooh, yeah, I like this. And then it would do something else. And I was kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, So whatever. So I want to pitch my my alternate ending. uh Uh-huh. Okay. Now imagine if you would. They all land. They're all okay. And Natasha sees Melina, Yelena, and the Red Guardian all saying, you better run. And she's like, I got this. You know what I mean? Like how the whole thing happens. Imagine if you would if the Red Guardian's last line was Don't go and get yourself killed, Natasha. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, speaking of death, uh, the post credit scene. <laughs> All right, we're moving on. <laughs> the post credit scene brought tears to my eyes. Um, I okay, so I thought I was like, okay, so this is this is right after or not too like a couple months after um, uh, the events of Black Widow. You know, after they take down Drakov's castle. Um, and I, th- I think we'll figure out when this is when Hawkeye comes out. Yeah, and I imagine Hawkeye will take place right after this credits. I I was I was like, okay, this is uh, this is interesting. You know, this is interesting. Um, maybe we're gonna get like, I don't know. It I I don't know, but I thought maybe uh, something had happened to David Harbor and uh, and Rachel Vise's characters, and that's the grave that Yelena was standing by. And then all of a sudden, you know, we see the grave and I was like, oh, and I like it brought tears to my eyes. However, that was immediately dried up by the sound of Julia Lewis-Dreyfus blowing her nose. Uh, It did let the audience know that we are not lingering on Endgame. Um, We're moving on with the MCU. I won't say that's good because I'd love a series slash movie set during the five years of the blip. At least we have a sense of direction. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'll be honest. Um, I vaguely alluded to this post credit scene in our last Loki episode. Because I was like, it looks to me like Julia Louise Dreyfus will be our next mainline villain in the Earth stuff. And I thought about that because, you know, I saw this post credit scene oh, yeah. for Loki. Uh, yeah. Um, but I also felt like I could say that and not really spoil it because, you know, we kind of had that thought anyway from Falcon and Winter Soldier. Right. Um my actual general take on this post-credits scene is I'm curious how it would play different if there wasn't a pandemic and this was their first Julie Louise Dreyfus appearance. Um, yeah, because that this was initially uh, supposed to be her was, first appearance. Yeah, I think I it think works it better. Is a little this way. Being well, after. I, I think it's weird. I think this is the first time we've really seen, and obviously it's going to be much bigger next year when the Marvels comes out. But we see. Someone from the Disney Plus shows jump onto the big screen. This is the first time that's happened. Yeah. A new character jump. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, yeah, you are on the main. This is the same universe. That's crazy. That's really, that's honestly what my ticket was like. Oh, yeah, these all exist. And then, of course, it sets up the Hawkeye show. Yeah. So. Yeah. And speaking of the Hawkeye show. Yeah. Shall we move on to our predictions? Um, So, yeah, Hawkeye series. Hawkeye best not have that haircut still. I'm like, otherwise, that's a very dated photo, uh, Julia. Come on. Um, I hope we still carry the emotional storyline for Yelena. Um, yeah. yeah my, my, my thing is with Yelena is that she better not actually fight Hawkeye. Because it's just, this this cliffhanger is a little silly. But it's like, Hawkeye would just be like, I didn't kill Natasha. And she should be like, oh, okay. You know, like, she should like, yeah. this is very, it's, it's, it's dumb. Kind of, and I hope she's not stupid. That's basically right. Please don't be. Dumb. I did. I did look on IMDb, um, and uh, Florence Pugh is credited with all eight episodes of Hawkeye as uh, being in them. So I don't know though how. I don't know. Is. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that, I mean, that may that IMDb is IMDb. may change when the show comes out. Yeah. So let's move on. Oh wait. Would you rewatch? We gotta do our. Would you rewatch the film? <sighs> I might, because nothing's out. Yeah, but it's. I'm not gonna pay the thirty dollars for it. 
oh your access no. yeah yeah no way no i i mean i might rewatch the theaters because there's nothing out um i guess i would go with my mom to it if she hasn't you know or my dad yeah i want to see a movie i'd be like yeah you guys like the marvel stuff so we'll go see this other than that eh. but yeah 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 same you i'm i'll i'll watch it again like when it's on disney plus i guess but uh but yeah, I, I think it'd be really interesting to watch it in the sequence that it's actually supposed to be yes, with the films. Hundred percent. Yeah. Civil War, this, and then Infinity War would be and Endgame would be a good way to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For her story, yeah. Um, so yeah, let's move yeah. on to the legendary Why Is Awards. All right, all right. MVP, I choose Florence Pugh. Um, she, she gave a very solid, uh, performance and, uh, yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see what, what, uh, she's going to do in the, in the MCU. Yeah, she's good. Um, I actually am going to pick David Harbour, um, because I think he's really funny and unlike Florence Pugh, we don't know when he'll return to the MCU. So I want to give him a little credit because who knows when I'll get to talk about him again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, uh, favorite up, I'm, favorite scene. I'm just not favorite bending scene. the the rules here, but um, oh, what? What? <laughs> I'm just favorite joking. scene. Yes, favorite scene. I thought the opening credits were executed very well. Um, very vivid Im- imagery, haunting images. 100% Kate Shortland style narrative on child trafficking, sex trafficking. I like the cold open. The entirety of it. It's a nice sense of uh, exfoliating terror and horror which then leads into those opening credits the one moment i wanted to mention in earlier which isn't my favorite moment but i wanted to mention here is that during the car ride when it's just playing american pie on the radio mm-hmm. you see all these shots of what they're going to be missing and leaving in ohio i really like that yeah yeah uh what did you think was the worst scene so i have it at as black widow uh, being punched by a man repeatedly and where it's eventually revealed like oh she was doing this and that's badass and i'm like really it was just she was getting punched over and over again i don't like that i didn't like it intended i didn't like it here mm. you got and i again this at least this one was directed by a woman but when you see a woman on uh, a, a strong hero like black widow on screen getting punched over and over again by this man it just it doesn't feel right to me, even if it is ultimately revealed to be part of her plan. So I didn't like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. I didn't like the prison break scene. It was very standard Marvel action. Um, I think it would have been better executed as a spy thriller um, scene. If we're not going to have like a spy thriller at any other point in this film, that would have been the place to have, you know, to have it. Um, it's rather a reflection of the lack of true stakes in this movie for the title character, given the movie's date. Um, yeah, it's just very I will telling. Say that for me personally, well, actually, you know what they could have done? Sorry, I just thought about this. You say that, but imagine if you would have this movie ended with Natasha dying and it would be like, what? And it was like Florence Pugh put on a, the put that on that mask. fancy space yeah. mask. And, it was re- and then if the post credit scene was on Vromir. Where she takes off the mask and she's dead. Sports view is dead yeah. at the bottom. <laughs> so we just lost them all. Um, but I do want to say that actually, really enough, the prison break scene was my favorite set piece in this. I liked it mm. a lot. Um, um, to me, it had more of a logical progression than the climax did, and it wasn't a lot of cross cutting. And it was funny. 
And it also reminded me of Bond stuff, which I felt like this movie was aiming for at points. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. But what was your favorite moment? My favorite movie? moment, uh, it was Natasha taunting Drakov, uh, very similar to Nat and Loki conversation in Avengers 1. Um, this is the spy stuff that's like, this is why Natasha is the Black Widow. Um, yeah, like... This this was the the old school spy stuff that we had in in phase one that uh, it it got phased out. It faded out of the narrative for Natasha. Um, I think it exclusively in um, uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And they, there's a reason, you know, there's a reason for that. That's her. She's wanting to go go uh, straight. And that's her narrative in that film. So it makes sense to get away from that. But this is what this it's like. This is the reason why um, she is the Black Widow. And it's the re it was like, yeah, this is this is finally we're getting to see Black Widow doing her Black Widow stuff um, again, like one last time, you know? Yeah. One last hurrah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um I liked, um, I like, I have it listed as arguing about periods and hysterectomies. Um, I want to talk about the scene because I thought it was actually really one of the best jokes in the movie, if not the best joke in the movie, is that um, David Harbour's character does a really tired, is it that time of your mom thing? And then they start talking about how they had a hysterectomy and they don't have ovaries or fallopian tubes. And he's just like, no, 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 I don't want to hear this. And it's really, it's a really funny joke. And it's also a joke I'm really surprised to see in a Marvel movie that's made by Disney. But what I read was apparently in the original script, which is written by a man, that was just there and they just ignored it. They didn't comment on it. I'm like, what? How? How can that? That, that joke is so tired. It's not even a joke. And that's what made it fresh that they added this stuff to it. And I'm glad that I read that Scarlett Johansson and Kate Shorten were both like, this is terrible. No, we can't have this in the script. And then a friend of theirs, whose name I'm forgetting, but it's another female screenwriter, was like, why don't you do this in here and make them joke about it? And mm -hmm. that's why it's in there. And it's so much. And I think it's a really funny joke. It's a good moment. Yeah. And it's a. I almost should. I almost put it under best surprise because mm. it's like, I can't believe this was in a Disney movie. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Most disappointing aspects. Relying on flashbacks for storytelling. Oh, um, I've never been a fan of flashbacks. To me, they're a retcon tool for poor st storytelling. But my response to you there is don't watch Ocean's Eleven or um, Fast Five. Um, <laughs> I didn't mind them, but I get your side on them. Um, my biggest disappointment is, I said it before, this came out in uh, July 2021 and not in March 2017. Yeah. The only really disappointing part I can really... It, it overwhelms everything else about the film to me. Mm. So, yeah, best surprise. Best surprise. Uh, you want to go? Yeah, the opening credits. I wasn't expecting opening credits of this movie, and I wasn't expecting them to be as well done as they were. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Usually, opening credits are a part where it's kind of like the and <laughs> credit is due where it's due. You know where it's due. The people took this. You know, people took this time to make this movie. Um, and it's also a, a point where people check out 
for a time until we get back to the you know the main movie. I'm yeah. I'm so weird. I like reading opening. I like but, reading the credits. Yeah. I was like, ooh, who did this? Who? Where's the billing on this? Who? Who has the best agent? Like, I watched Lord of the Rings this weekend, and you know, Liv Tyler is the third name to come up. It goes Elijah Wood, Ian McKellen, and then Liv Tyler. Isn't that insane? Yeah. yeah. Viggo Mortensen was. <laughs> I love billing. He wasn't uh, billed above. I think he was hers. like. I think he's actually below someone else too. Huh. I know Sean Astin is insanely late in the credits. Yeah. For how big his role? No, actually, no, it's not him. Orlando Bloom is super late mm. because he wasn't famous yet. Gotcha. Which is very weird because now Orlando Bloom is probably one of the, well after immediately he was one of the more successful people with pirates. Yeah. But yeah, um, it's a sneak peek for our next Green Room episode. Uh, <laughs> whenever that may be. <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> um, I thought Florence Pugh's jacket was a what to me it was the best surprise um because when we watched infinity war it was just like everyone really just had on a variation of suits they had worn before and so i was kind of like okay yeah yeah, this is a change but now this yeah it worked um most excited to see more of what about you well, I have David Harbour because I don't know when he's coming back. I'm sure he will. Yeah. Because he seems like the crowd pleaser of this. And we know, of course, Florence Pugh is coming back. So I have David Harbour because I don't know when we'll get him. Yeah. What if What if David Harbour has to go he on He should this... be in the Thunderbolts. Mm, interesting. Imagine if he and Wyatt Russell teamed up. Yeah. That would be fun. That would be, be interesting. Yeah. That would be the one way I'd be willing to forgive Wyatt Russell is if he had to deal with David Harbour, Harbour the, the entire time. time. <laughs> Imagine him, because he'd just be so annoyed by him. Yeah. He would, and he tried to like beat him up with super strength. He'd be like, I have that too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm most excited to see more of Julia Louis-Dreyfus um, in the MCU. Um, it looks like she's creating the Thunderbolts, and I guess that's I'm more excited to see more of the Thunderbolts, but I don't want to commit to her, you know, being the one who creates the the Thunderbolts just yet. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see what she's going to be doing more of. So, all right. Well, all right. I think that, I think that wraps up our, our discussion yeah. of black widow. Yeah. Do, do you think? All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of why is with Ty and Dan. We can be found on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. We are also on YouTube, audio exclusive at our channel, Why Is With Ty and Dan. You can also contact us by email at whyiswithtydan at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at whyiswithtyan1, because I'm number one. You can also follow me, Danny Vitz, on a letterbox at Blankman's for reviews of movies, including those not in the MCU. We'd also like to thank Zachary Wright for editing this episode. Thank you, Zach. We'll we'll see you later this week with the Loki finale. Yeah, we'll catch you in the next one.